Good evening and welcome to our evening service. Again, we have this privilege of coming together to worship the Lord. It is the Lord's day, and this is His desire for us, just to gather together to worship Him. And this is what our desire is tonight. We welcome those on Zoom this evening as well. Good to have you with us. Again, we want to welcome Michael this evening, and he'll come now and read the scripture to us and lead us in prayer, if you would. Good evening. It's a pleasure to be here, standing here. It's, a, it's exciting to know that I'm doing something I think is actually going to be worthwhile this week. You know, I mean, I did work and all that and took care of my kids, but this here, this is the icing. This is the best. So um, I wanted to look at James in chapter 2, and um, we'll read James chapter 2, verse 14, and I'll read to the end of the chapter. It's the topic of faith without works. So here we go, 14. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked or destitute of food, a daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled. Notwithstanding, ye have then not those things which are needful to the body, which doth, what does it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works and by works made faith made faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which saith Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith alone. Likewise, also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works, is dead also. All right, let's come before the Lord and pray. We pray, Lord, that you might give us your wisdom. You say that you are pleased when we ask, O Lord, for your wisdom. Not just any wisdom, Lord, but wisdom to know who you are. Wisdom, O Lord, that helps us to grow and learn how to love and to be merciful to each other and learn how to honor and worship You, Lord. We thank You, Lord, on this Father's Day for our fathers as an example for us. 
We thank you, Lord, that they are there, our protectors of our families, and they're there to teach us, and that there's a, just a special relationship that a father has with his or her, his children. We thank you, Lord, that they are examples as well of what to be and what not to be, so that we can learn, O oh Lord. We thank you, Lord, for our church, and we pray for it. We thank you for our family and our neighbors and and our missions, Father. That we need, O oh Lord, that your wisdom and your strength go with them. Father, we pray, Father, that your Spirit might come into this world and that many people would come to know you, that the lost people in this world, your people, Father, would be called out by your gospel through your people, Father. We also pray for our enemies, Lord, because our enemies are where your people come from. We know, O Lord, that we were your enemies one day. And we know, Lord, that we are now your sons and daughters. So help us, Father, and guide us to do what is right, to do what is loving and kind and truthful, that we would learn how to be like you, Lord, and we would turn from this world. We thank you, Father, that Jesus is our example, and we thank you that we can pray and that we can read about him in the Bible. We pray, Father, for our people here. We, Father, we ask, O oh Lord, that your spirit would be working, but we also have things that we're concerned about. We ask, O oh Lord, that you might help us when it comes to our sicknesses and our physical ailments, Father. We pray, Father, for the Wilson family and what they're going through right now. And we pray, Lord, that you would be there and guide them. And through these trials, Lord, that their faith might increase and grow and that they would learn to love you, knowing that you were there all along. We pray, Father, for others, Lord, the same. We pray, Father, that they would be convinced that you are faithful. Convinced, Father, that you, you've got this. And you know what's going on. And you have planned everything. And it is for good and not for evil. So we thank you, Lord, for all of these things. So we ask, O oh Lord, that you would use your spirit to guide me to speak and those that are listening to hear. We thank you, Father, that Jesus came to be an example. Help us to be like him. May we learn how. Uh, so teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well... James, I uh, I was uh, compelled for some reason to to go to James, so I felt compelled, so I did it. Um, I was also a request my father-in-law. I did request. I asked him, and he said, "Would you? What would you like to hear?" And and he said he'd like to hear James two and verse fourteen to twenty-six. So that section there. And so that was one reason I, th- I thought, okay, we'll go here. Um, I was kind of avoiding this because it seems like it's like you're flogging a dead horse, right? Because everybody's done this already, right? Everybody talks about this. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to avoid this subject. I'm going to go around it. I'm going to do something different. And then I read James and I examined it closer. And well, 
That's what he's talking about. So there's no avoiding it. He's talking about faith and he's talking about what faith looks like in the form of works. So, for the last month, on, I, 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 I say this, two hours on average per day, I've been studying this book. Now, I've said this many times before. Now, the reason why I'm saying it is because I'm trying to be an example for you. One month ago, I'm going to testify right now that I was a different person. I spent two hours a day, on average, with James for the last month. And I'm a different person. I didn't expect that. Uh, I didn't see that one coming. I didn't really... I just thought I would, I would get to know it so I would know it, right? But yeah, it, it, it changed me. He changed me. And... If you're going to ask me, I'm going to witness to you what James says. I'm going to ask me. I'm going to tell you, even if you didn't ask me. James is talking about faith. That's what he's talking about. And he's talking about faith and what faith looks like. You see? That's the subject. If you remember that throughout today, You'll, you'll, you'll follow along well. Now James, let's talk about a little bit with James. I like James. He's a great uh, example. He's not just a, a hearer of the Word for sure. He's got virtue as far as I know, as far as what I've learned. Um, one of the things, I'm not going to go through everything, but one of the things, his nickname was Old Camel Knees. Old Camel Knees. And the reason why is because he was on his knees praying so much that he wore his knees out. Okay, so that was one. That was his nickname. And so, there's a perfect example of what James is talking about right there. A physical attribute that James has, these worn out kneecaps, will tell you all about his faith. You see? We say, oh, wore his knees. Wow, must have prayed a lot must have really believed in God, right? That's what James is talking about. We know he had faith. We could see it. So who was James? Well, I can narrow it down to saying that it was probably the physical brother of Jesus. It really looks like that's who he is. But James really doesn't help us. When you say... James, the servant of, of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's the only thing you say about yourself? That's pretty humble. I mean, that's another example of, of virtue, is it not? But he made it so difficult for us to figure out who he was because he really didn't, it doesn't matter, right? It really doesn't matter. But we want to figure out who he is, so we look. We can't figure it out. He, he wasn't... He should have said Pastor James or, you know, or something like that, right? Like, give us some more clues. <laughs> but he didn't say anything. So, pretty sure he was, he was James, the brother of Jesus. We'll say that. Now, he was in Jerusalem when he wrote this letter. 
And he was writing to, and it's the Greek word, and I think I'm pronouncing it right, diaspora. He was writing to the diaspora. Okay? We don't have an English word, so I'm sorry if I'm butchering the Greek language and all of that, but that's the word. And if you look in verse 1, and you see the two words scattered abroad, if you have the King James Version, he's writing to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Well, that's the word right there, diaspora. And the word means, now get this, very specific, converted Israelites who reside in Gentile countries. Interesting, eh? Very specific word. There was a word. I mean, they must have come off so much that they had to make a word for it, for these people. And because there's no, those people don't exist anymore, we don't have, have a need for that word, and so that's why the word uh, didn't continue on, right? I imagine. So, but that, that's the word. It's, he's writing to the converted Israelites who are residing in these Gentile countries, Asia Minor, and, and so on and so forth. So the best thing that the translator could do was put scattered abroad. And it gives us a sort of a hint of who they are, but there, there's more to it. So we know that James is, is writing to these churches. So probably did write a lot of copies. You know, there were probably several copies of James, and that's probably maybe why we, I mean, God's will is why we got it today, but that might be one of the reasons why we've we've got it. And um, so, so James is in Jerusalem, and he's writing to this people, the scattered abroad, that have fled Jerusalem, right? They fled Jerusalem because of persecution. And if you watch the news right now and you see wartime footage, you see when uh, soldiers are coming into a city, people flee the other direction, right? If there's an exodus. And, and so that's the kind of idea, you know, they're, they're fleeing because they're worried about preserving their lives. They don't want to get caught up in the, the fighting. Well, these people are kind of the same, but these are just the Christians that are fleeing that he has in mind here. And, and they're being persecuted, right? By the government, the, the Jewish leaders, all of the, the officials don't like the Christians and 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 also um, they're kicked out of the synagogues. They're excommunicated from there. The people are threatening their lives as well. This is some scary stuff for these people. And think about it. Even there's no place for them to go. They go home. And think of that conversation at the dinner table. Yeah, I've decided to become a Christian. What? You're giving up Judaism? What are you? You're not allowed in this house anymore. You know, that, that's the kind of thing. They're, they're, they go out into public and they're scrutinized. And everyone's given a sense of permission to go after them because they're the Christians, right? They're, they're the ones that are disrupting everything. That's what the government and everyone around them thinks. So they have to go. That's, where they, that's who they are. They've, they've got to go. And, and this is happening about, say, 15 years, 10, 15 years after Christ was risen, raised from the dead, right? And, and so they became Christians. And, and so shortly after that time period. And so they're trying to begin their lives 
in this new environment, you know, basically refugees in a sense for, for at the beginning, and, and they're in this foreign country. And, and if you're like me, you have no idea what that's like. But I can imagine that you know, there's a language barrier. We obviously see that one, right? Um, there's a culture shock, food and, and, and whatnot. And I imagine you're, you're homesick. But on top of all that, all these people, they see you as different. And they don't treat you like the same, right? There's that too. And, and they probably aren't very nice to you, right? And they're not going to accept you with open arms, especially because you're a Christian in those times, especially. And James is saying to these people, you know, I know it's not going to be fair and you're going to be trying to do things the right way and the world has no rules. They're not going to do the same. And you're going to suffer. And you're going to be tempted by your own heart, your own lusts. With this worldly stuff that's out there, it's going to be tempting you. And also, when those people get in your face, your pride is going to cause you to lash out at each other as well. That's what's going to happen. And you're going to be tempted to act like the world. But remember this. This is a test, this life. A test to see whether you're trusting God or not, right? And are you passing the test? James would say, and it's not God, and he clears this up, it's not God that's tempting you, clears this up, it's you. Why would God draw you away from himself? Come on. It's you, it's your lust that's drawing you away from God. In verse 13, chapter 1, it's our lusts that draw us away from him, and that's us. And it's, it's not him. And he says, James, but all of the good stuff that happens, it, it's what comes from God. It comes from God. So if you are doing good, it's because it came from God. It comes from God. Remember uh, the memory verse, every good and perfect gift comes from God. And, and if so, if we are merciful, where is that coming from? Come from God. If we're loving each other, where is that coming from? It's coming from God. Every perfect and good gift is is coming from God, coming from above. So James says, pray in verse 6. Pray for wisdom, chapter 1, verse 6. Pray for wisdom. Why? Well, so you can learn the right things to do in his eyes. We don't instinctively know what it is to do. We, we want to follow the world. So we have to learn what the right things to do. We have the world telling us one thing and we got to learn what the right thing is. We have to be told that's what James is doing here in this letter. He's telling us what the right things and the wrong things are to do. And he's telling us that we learn that by, the, by reading the Word of God. And never, never is he ever telling us that work save us. works ever saves us. Never. This letter is written to people who are already saved for one thing. Don't misunderstand me now. I'm not discouraging you from doing works, and neither is James. Doing good works is what we are made for. But it's the Word, or the words, if you want, wish, of God that saves you, teaches you. In chapter 1, verse 18, it's of His will that He begot you. It's with the Word of truth that He did it. 
Remember the memory verse in Psalms? Uh, the word is a lamp unto my feet. Am I getting this right? And the light unto my path. Close. Look at the end of verse 21 in, cha- in chapter 1. Receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. The engrafted word which is able to save your souls. This is what James is saying. If somebody tells you, be a doer of the word, you might say to yourself, and I've said this many times, and people say, yeah, you've got to just do the right thing. And I say to myself, but I struggle with it. I try, and I, I just can't see myself being able to change. And You just can't convince me. I'm sorry. Um, I'm finding it impossible, in fact. I can't turn from my sin. I don't know what to do. What do I need to do? Well, James says, look and understand the word of truth. That's what saves you. You can't do it. No. Look at your Bible in, in chapter 1, verse 18. Begot us. Of his own will, begot us. Begot he us, I should say, with the word of truth. This word, these words, begot he, it's a Greek word again. It's, uh, I'm not going to pronounce this one, sorry. It's a verb. It's an action word. Okay? And it's, it's much more interesting than what you think right here. This word, begot he, or the two words, is a word. It means to breed forth. It means to breed forth and by transition. That is by transition. Breed forth by transition. So I think you could kind of use the word like this. You take a poodle and you take a Labrador retriever and you get a Labradoodle, which is very strange. But that's what you get. And that's kind of what that word means. So what James is saying, you take you and you take the word and you get a new creature. That's what happens, you see. They come together and now you're a new creature. It's a metamorphosis, if I can say that. You and the Word. You and Jesus, right? You and God. And he also says in verse 21, Receive it with meekness, the engrafted Word. Receive means to embrace, make it your own. Meekness, listen with humble, gentle spirit. Engrafted means implanted. You know, gardening and planted. So receive it. Make it your own, this, this, this word. Make it your own. Don't just listen to me. Make it your own. Humbly come, listening, and implant it in you. Implant the word in you if you want. Gardening. When you take the seeds in the soil and you put them together, they become one. And they work together. That's what happens. You're implanted. The word of God is implanted. Pure religion, he says, he uses this term. Pure religion, you see, it has a look to him, to it. Real truth, it looks like something. Dead faith is another term he uses for the opposite. Real truth, dead faith. Pure religion, dead faith. So this is a opposite, right? Let's go back to that gardening metaphor. You plant a seed, the Word, into the ground, your heart, 
If the conditions are right, what do you get? Eventually, something starts poking itself out of the ground. You see something. There's results. That's the evidence of the seed coming to life. The doing of the Word, that's the evidence of the hearing of the Word is working. is coming to life in you. And if I could borrow James's metaphor for the tongue in chapter 3, verse 12, you're like a fountain. God's love will flow into you, and God's love will flow out of you. If it's not God's love flowing out of you, it's not God's love flowing into you. You're like a fountain. And you still, of course, by the Word, you, you need to learn the commandments and learn what God wants. But we desire this. It's not, he's not forcing us to do it. We want to learn, right? But we need to learn. We have to read. We have to look. And then all of a sudden, His love flows through us. It goes into us and comes out of us. And so He's saying, James is saying, do you believe in God? Do you have a true faith? Because what flows in you will flow out of you, right? Sum it up like this. James is not talking to the world. Okay? Understand that. If you want to be saved... You need to work for it. That's what the world says. That's not what James is saying. He says, and get this, he's talking to Christians, and the contrast, he's talking to people who think they are Christians. That's the contrast. See? And if you're like me, I find that scary. Because what he's saying is that there are people in churches all over the world right now that think that they are Christians and they are not. And I ask myself, is that me? That's what James does for you. It gets you sitting up a bit. Whoa, how's my life going? And he's saying, be warned. You're just a hearer of the Word. You fall into this category. Be aware. You may be deceiving yourself. Verse 22, you says, But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourself. And I can say it like this. I think he puts, you could put, you, put the people in three categories. So the first category, three categories. First category are the hearers and the doers. They're the Christians, Okay. The second category are the ones that are not the doers, they're not the hearers, they're not even here, and we're not even talking about them. The third category is worse than the second category. And it's being under the hearing of the Word of God, and it's not making any difference in your life, and you're not feeling or responding in any way. That's the scariest thing. That's the worst thing that can happen to you. You'll be sitting in church your whole life, wasting your time. You don't get points for hearing. You're just deceiving yourself. We know that it's the Word of God that is planted in our hearts. 
And we know that it takes time sometimes to grow. And sometimes for some people it takes longer than others and we have to be patient. But eventually you see results. And if I may, I can use myself as an example. For one month now, I've saturated myself with this book. The words of James, they run through my head all the time. Everywhere I go, I meet lots of people all day. Which means there's lots of things that can frustrate me. <laughs> um, but for one month of reading this, even my wife has come up to me and said, you know, there's something different about you. And you know what? I'm not even close to perfect. But it's James that did it. It's the Word of God. It's, it's the Word of truth. It, James told me, don't be double-minded. He said to remember not to be angry. It's not God's anger when you're angry. Don't forget, when you leave this building, you're a Christian. No matter what your situation is. And I woke up every day for the last month failing this multiple times a day. And I, ironically enough, you think that when you get wiser, you should start saying more, right? James says, no, 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 no. When you get wiser, sometimes you should start saying less. Learn how to bite your tongue. Because James says, and I, if I can paraphrase, Paraphrase, the tongue is the teller of the soul. You know that? You think when you're yelling and screaming at somebody and giving it to them, you think you're doing something? You know what you're doing? You're revealing to whoever's listening the condition of your heart. I heard a couple people say it like this. This is very good. The tongue the tongue is the tattletale on the heart. The heart is what generates hatred, jealousy, greed, adultery, and all of that. And your tongue tells the world who you are. So, if you want to change your words, James would say, you have to change your heart. Right? It's by reading the Word of God and being convinced that what God says is true and, and believing that He's right. And another way James would say it, we need wisdom from above. Not the world's wisdom. Not the way they do it. We need to learn the wisdom from above. Chapter 3, this wisdom looks like something too. Right? It's, it's pure. It's, it's truth. It's the truth. It's peaceable, gentle. Not hard for you to obey or entreated. You know, when you start to understand it, it really just all starts to really come together. It's merciful and full of good fruit and doesn't discriminate against those and it's without hypocrisy. And this is hard for us to do. But you can't argue with it. This is reasonable. This is reasonable. But we have a tough time sometimes. Look at uh, chapter 1 and verse 2. Verse 2, he 
Starts off by saying, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. These trials that we go through, these troubles that we go through, and I'm not diminishing any of them. I've gone through my own. Uh, but what do we do? Do we complain? We say, why me? How can this happen to me? Those are good questions, by the way. I don't say they're not. And if God wants to answer them, He will. But this is the question that James is interested in. In those times, how did you react? When those things happened to you, did you trust the Lord? Because you know the way you act is going to tell everybody how you feel about God. Did you get angry, lash out? Did you show the world your wrath? I mean, I'm talking about myself a lot of the times here. I mean, that's what I do. And I can't... It's hard to tame. Like, people make me mad sometimes, you know. And I'm not completely out of control. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, But, you know, James helped me this way. He taught me my troubles, my trials, are there to teach me, to teach us. The trials, the, the troubles, the suffering, they're, they're probably not going away. But because of these trials, I grow. Not just the trials alone, that's not going to work, but the trials combined with the wisdom of the Word of God. That's how we grow. And then verse 3 says, Know this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect entire. You see, that that's an endurance word. It's You get endurance from your trials. So when you go to face the next one, you have more. And you get stronger and stronger until you become perfect and entire or complete. And he says, wanting nothing. Which means, leaving it all behind. I don't care about that anymore. I don't want anything for myself. I don't care. I want to do what the Lord wills. And what happens to me will be His will. Wanting nothing is what it looks like when your patience is perfect and complete. You don't get flustered and upset when things aren't going your way because you understand that it's God's will. And if you really want things to change, you can ask Him faithfully and He's faithful. He will change it if it's good for you, right? But if it's not, He's not going to change it and so therefore you should be content. That's true faith. Contentment. Not wanting. 
Yeah. So finally, just want to state, if you haven't noticed already, this letter is a rebuke. I don't know if it felt like that, but... Uh, it's, it's a rebuke that's from love. From James. This man lived 2,000 years ago. And he said things that changed my life today. That's love. You know, he died for this. What he believed? He died. He died. He got, he, they hung him on a cross. Is that right? I forget how he died. I'm sorry. I think they hung him on a cross. I know Peter was hung upside down, but um, anyway, so this letter, I want to just be clear, is not for us to point fingers at each other, okay? When you read this letter, it's about instruction and what to do and what not to do. It's not for us to go around pointing out each other's faults. This letter is for you and for yourself, for your building of your own character, it's for your own self-examination. You've got to sort your life out. Work out your faith with fear and trembling. He wants you to know what's right and wrong. He wants you to, to know that. So, and if you find that you are maybe just a hearer of the Word, He says, ask for wisdom. Verse 5. Ask for wisdom. God loves to give wisdom. You ask for wisdom, He loves to give you it. And then, and then not just any wisdom, but the wisdom that causes you to know Him. Get to know Him. And you've got to read the Bible to do that. And let it convince you to trust God. That's what it will do. Trust God that He loves you. He loves mercy. He's true. He's trustworthy. All those things you find out. And James would also say, don't forget to pray. Don't forget to pray. Okay, so well, that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to pray. Dear Lord, help us, Lord, to tame our tongues that we might not be double-minded. That, Lord, that throughout the week when we are tempted to sin, we would remember that we are Christians and we're here to glorify You. We're lights in this dark, dark world. Help us, Father, to reflect Your character. Help us not to ever speak evil of each other. That we might be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to become angry. And that we would only just pray. We would have use our feet and our hands as well. We thank You, Lord, that it's just one of us doing it. It's not going to make much difference. But Lord, 
You put us together as a church and when we all get together, we can move mountains. We can change lives with You. So help us, Lord, to do these things. Direct us. Thank You in Jesus' name. Amen.